Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Back at it again for another wonderful podcast for you guys that I know you're psyched to get, and I'm psyched to put it out. This week's podcast is going to be a good one, but we'll get into that in just a minute. I'm going to kick out some shout, some shout outs for the beginning of the week, and our first shout out goes to Kyle Miller. He had some questions with respect to Transaxle, so it's funny because this is going to be a Type 4 based podcast. His questions for me had to do with uh, the Type 4, what trannies I use and stuff like that. So he, he hit me up and he says, uh, hey Bill, I've got a question for you. You always talk about putting a Type 4 engine in your vehicles, like your Type 34. I have a Type 34. So we know right out of the gate, Kyle's super classy, right? But I've not heard you mention what Transox you use. People are telling me you can't or it's not a good idea to put the Type 4 engine on a stock 65 swing axle. Sorry if this noob question, uh, for this noob question, but I've owned a few dubs over the years, but they were all decent drivers. This Type 34 is the first dub I am building. Uh, the non-VW engines I've always assembled in the past, built for torque because they get driven on the street, hence why I'm looking to follow in your path, or my other thought is just to build a stock engine up with a 1776. Don't do it, bro. Go Type 4 or don't go. I would do a Type 4 purely for the fact because you've got torque, but we're getting into his question in regards to transaxles. With respect to transaxles, the Bull Run bus has a freeway flyer Type 1 transaxle in it, and the carbon cab has a Type 1 transaxle in it as well. Uh, just heavy duty built trannies only be because of the torque. And I always just, when I do a tranny, I want it built for top end driving. So I always do a freeway flyer and the one in my carbon cab is actually a super tall fourth gear. I don't, I'll, I'll on a future podcast, I'll let you know the ring opinion on it. You can look it up in the tech specs of the article that it's in, but uh, it's an 082 fourth gear, not a 089, which my understanding is a little bit taller, but it's, I mean, like you can hardly push it with right now. I've got the bull run bus motor, which is a 20, 2270 motor in that it pushes it just fine but it's a big difference between that and the 2600 but the reality is well you know we talked about it in past podcasts before that you can build a essentially a slip in big board 2270 motor with pistons and on a type four uh you know you do cam new heads stock crank man you don't need to go a big crank a lot of guys if you're trying to do it on a budget you can do it on a budget the bottom end of the Type 4 is pretty solid as long as everything looks good underneath. Put a good cam in it, uh, heads, and a set of and a set of pistons on it. You know, nice set of slipping big bore pistons. And you're going to have yourself a 2.2 liter motor with 90% German parts, tons of torque. Um, you can put some shorty manifolds on there and uh, you'd have torque for days. But I always use stock transaxles with mine as far as Type 1. Um, I haven't seen a need to go with a bigger box than that, but I also think it depends on how you drive. So if you're a little heavy footed and you're stomping that thing all the time, you might need to go with a bigger box, but really it's not necessary. When you got that kind of, then when you got that much torque, you don't really need to get into it like you do with the other stuff. So also Kyle swung by the site and uh, picked up some merch. So I appreciate that. I see Kyle's also a paintless dent guy. So he may be the guy that I tracked down to talk about doing some paintless dent repair on some of these original paint cars that we have out there. He may have some tips and tricks for us that could be useful in the future. So, Kyle, be on the lookout, bro. You might get hit up to come on Let's Talk Dubs. Also, shout out, a shout out to Ben Reynolds out of Evanston, Wyoming, for purchasing some swag from the uh, from the website. So, appreciate that. Appreciate him supporting the podcast, man. Uh, if you guys do me a favor and take this podcast and share it to everybody you know, go on your Facebook, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram. Share via text message. I love seeing this thing growing every month, and it's all because of the listeners like you. So listeners like you, I know uh, a lot of you guys talk to me, and, and we get a personal relationship, you being a listener, me being the podcaster, but I really appreciate you guys. And what I would really enjoy is for you guys 
to help spread the word about Let's Talk Dubs podcast. That's how we grow organically. Feel free to go to the groups where you can share the podcast, uh, no matter where you listen to it from, on Facebook or Instagram. You can always post a link, sharing a podcast. Matter of fact, this week, I challenge my listeners to go to Facebook groups that you're in, Go to some of those Facebook groups and share the podcast. You're on forum boards, share the podcast. Share your favorite episode of the podcast and why it's your favorite. We love when you guys share the podcast, so help out your boy. Share the podcast so other people can enjoy some of this. I mean, we're up to, this is episode 200, guys. Episode 200. It should be a big deal, but it's just another day, another day in the life putting out the VW podcast, the greatest VW podcast in the world. And you guys will be looking forward to uh, when I'm headed up to England for the Volks World Super Show. I'm going to be doing some podcasts with some of the guys from across the pond. So DM me, send me a message, send me an email. Let me know who you want to hear from, who you see doing big builds on uh, over in the UK over there. And I'll track them down and we'll do an interview. Hit me up some of your questions you got about their builds, their cars, whatever it is. Get at me. Send me a message. Email me at builtletstalkdubs.com. And let me know, hey, Bill, when you go to England, if you run into this guy, can you do a podcast? I want to know about how he built this and all these kinds of things. I know some of you guys are out there getting your Volksworld magazines. You know, I used to have a subscription. I might have to subscribe again coming up. Uh, we're trying to see, trying to work out, see if I could do some uh, joint venture cross promotion with Volksworld magazine. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing if we can do some podcasts there at the Volksworld Super Show. Uh, if not, I can do them before or after. Doesn't matter. I'll be ready to record some VW history for you guys but there's tons of rad stuff going out there love to see what we can uh what we can put together for you guys so be ready for that but don't worry don't worry little chickens i'll have some podcasts in the wings for you when i'm gone uh in england and enjoying my time but if you guys want to get down meet me at volks world man that would be rad a bunch of us yanks just show up over there bring the thunder so it'll be a great time I'm really looking forward to that. That's my uh, my new getaway since Mexico is a no-go for me anymore. So looking forward to that. And this week's podcast that we're going to get into is going to be good. But before I get into that, don't forget to support our sponsors. VW Trends Magazine. Go to vwtrendsmagazine.com. Subscribe today. The next issue coming out. Hard-hitting, cutting-edge, latest and greatest stuff that's happened in the VW scene. That'll be in the next VW Trends Magazine. So go subscribe today at vwtrendsmagazine.com. And don't forget Ross Wolf, the highest quality aftermarket parts available today. And we're going to get Jason Ross Wolf on the podcast here in a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean right now, I got Jason Weiler with Ross Wolf on the phone. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, buddy. So the reason why I wanted to have you on here is there was a little social media blurb about somebody who picked up one of your pulleys and... It didn't seem, it was some some criticism. I don't know how constructive it was, but it's, it seemed a little over the top. And I know you on a personal level, but and one of the reasons I brought you on here is because, you know, I, I talked about on the podcast previously that you're, you're a guy that's been in the service industry, manufacturing industry for a long time, and that you got into VW stuff because you were kind of frustrated at the quality and things like that. And, and sometimes things like this happen. And when you and I were talking off the air, there's a lot that goes into a pulley that some people don't know. And, you know, I wanted to kind of let you get on here and let's discuss maybe some of the things that are going on, because I know you made it right with the customer, which is the number one thing to do in business. But let's maybe get into the, the details for a few minutes on when you're manufacturing parts and things to this extent, kind of kind of what's your take on what took place with maybe some of the things people saw that were being posted about that pulley? 
Well, I think the, the first thing is that it's like you said, it's to make it right. And I, I think that's really our commitment to things first and foremost. So, you know, what we did was we you know, refunded the customer completely. Um, and you know, really that's where it stands. That, that, that was all I could do at this point to make it right. And, uh, you know, that was what was done. Um, so, and that, that's our commitment moving forward. That's always our commitment. That's kind of, uh, the way that we're going to continue to operate uh, regardless of, um, what happens or what, what people install or what it is in a custom application. There's a, there's a lot of things that can vary and there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, so regardless of that, you know, we, we stand by the product and that's what we did in this case. And now there's there's a lot that goes into making a pulley that some people don't realize when they're when they're you know you would think like yeah just go I can have my uncle machine us a pulley it's not really that simple really when you get down to the minutia of the pulley right yeah so I think it really it starts with uh, the original design and that and that is generally where Jared and I are always going to come from with any of our parts uh, we're going to start from an original VW. Uh, piece and and move out from there and uh, one of the the kind of components and the, the key pieces of, of a VW stock pulley is the the grooves uh, that are on the kind of outside of the you know the the pulley is on the snout um, you know that that has a specific design and and people are you know there's a there's a lot of you know, misinformation out there about what that's for. Uh, a lot of people say, well, those are oil slingers or this or that. And that's really not the purpose of those. Um, so first and foremost, that the purpose of those, those grooves, and there's three different starting points on those grooves uh, as, as a stock one would be, is to pump air into the case. Right, and that's uh, so. That's part of the 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 breathing system of a you know, of a stock VW. Um, so that's the first component of that system, and it, it's kind of neglected uh, in a lot of ways on uh, a lot of custom engines. And now, one of the challenges that when we were talking about off the air is the tolerances that you have to make that pulley within. And kind of the right way to install that pulley. Now, there's a challenge. You can't make. You can't just like grab this one size. And it's perfect for every crankshaft because obviously, with so many different crankshaft manufacturers, there's a lot of different tolerances that different people kind of put to use. Is that the case? Yeah. Well, I mean, on a on a VW crank, there's only one tolerance. They're 36 millimeter. And that's that's it. Right. <laughs> they don't really they don't very much. But uh, when we kind of took on this uh, project, we went to Wix uh, and we measured everything that Adam had, uh, which was a lot of different pulleys. <laughs> and uh, there's a pretty wide range in there and one of the the limitations of uh an aluminum pulley is uh, you're dealing with a strength issue right right so you can't have somebody banging on a an aluminum pulley um you don't want somebody you know bashing bashing something on and damaging you know the aluminum is uh, is a lot more fragile even if you're dealing with like what we deal with is a 60 60 61 uh, t6 you 
which is the strong one of the strongest aluminums you can get for this. We also have one that's a little bit higher, uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know that 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 aluminum when it's as thick as steel, or sorry, double the thickness or triple the thickness of the steel, then it, you're getting that same level of of uh, strength. But you know, if, if somebody's pounding something onto a uh, in onto a crank, that's a really bad situation for an aluminum pulley. Right, they do a lot, a lot of damage. Um, so that's that's another piece of kind of the puzzle, uh, and and some of the things that happened with this particular pulley that 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 did truly go bad. Um, and th- there's a lot of factors in there, but you know the first thing is you start with the breathing system, which people are largely, uh, and it's kind of a California thing. Uh, I think overall the sand seal phenomenon, right, is is people avoid the um, the entire kind of breathing system and the grooves and they go to a sand seal in the front, which, you know, Volkswagen also did on the type four. But, you know, that's what they, they eliminate in that. And so that's kind of what happened on this particular pulley as well as it was machined down uh, for sand seal. And now with some of this, like if somebody gets your pulley, is there instructions with respect? Because we talked about, there's a lot of the talk that everybody says, oh yeah, use the green Loctite and everybody just automatically thinks that there's, you know, why would I put green Loctite on a pulley to slide it onto the snout of the crankshaft? Like speak a little bit to that. Sure. If you would. And there's, there's not, you know, in, in terms of the green, green Loctite, there's not everybody has to use green Loctite. So the majority of, if somebody's putting one of our pulleys on a stock crank, that's generally not something they're even going to have to bother with. Um, and you know, this is why maybe some of the other manufacturers undersize their pulleys a bit, uh, cause then you have to hone them out. But we've even seen that and uh, George has had one of our pulleys that he had to even hone out. Uh, so the cranks kind of varying and, and what's going on with them can have an impact on, on what's going on with that ID and how that references the OD of the, the whatever pulley that's in question. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but when it comes down to, you know, how that all operates with the green Loctite, the green Loctite is an industrial, um, sleeve retainer and and there's different green loctites by the way there is a green loctite out there that's just thread sealant that is not what we're talking about so the loctite which we specified in our, our instructions it's a specific sleeve retainer loctite and this will take up to i believe uh eight thou which is a which is a ton um of gap in a um in a woodruff key keyway type slip fit system. So uh, it's exceptionally strong to get it off. You have to heat up your, uh, your whole system, the crank and everything has to be heated uh, in order to get it off. It's exceptionally strong. The stuff just does not come off. Um, so there may be some question on, on green Loctite in terms of that as to what it is, because people might have a, a, experience with green Loctite as a thread sealant, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, sleeve retainer, which is, a, which is, they've got several products even in that range as well. So bottom line is there's, and, and when you buy a pulley from Ross Wolf, do you get 
Uh, you guys have QR code with the video for installation, stuff like that, or do you guys send detailed instructions, or where are you at with that? We have, we have a QR code to uh, specific instructions. Yeah, and we're working on some videos. Uh, I think we'll, we'll get there eventually this year uh, in terms of full video instructions, but uh, right now there's, there's some pretty detailed uh, written instructions on what to do. And then obviously if there's any issues, you know, our, our phone number, you can get right to my cell phone immediately. Jared, he's right there as well. So, I mean, we, we have a variety of ways for customers to get hold of us beyond social media and all these other things if they're having issues. Now also, and that's one of the things I wanted to bring up, right? You guys are, you guys are a small organization, just a couple of you guys there. You've got background yeah. in in working and manufacturing parts and pieces and, and doing a lot of online sales in your previous line of work. And now you're fully focused on the VW stuff. What kind of uh, what kind of new stuff does Ross Wolf have coming up or anything? Any insights you can let us into that you guys are working on over there in the lab to kind of bring to fruition to the VW, the VW community? Yeah, so I think the um, the first thing that we're working on right now in a product that's a little bit more immediate is the drain plate uh, for a, a stock VW case. And it's a little bit more difficult than um, just, you know, applying these kind of aluminum pieces in there. So one of the one of the issues that has been kind of plaguing most of these aluminum plates uh, is the fact that they bend or they, you know, kind of twist after after some use. So our plate's a little bit more stout. Uh, we're working on a system uh, where guys can actually use our plate on a stock case. Oh, nice. Well, very cool, man. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you out at some of the shows this year. I know you just relocated uh, – you're you're up where where are you at now? Belgrade, Montana. Bel Belgrade, Montana. Yep. How's, Belgrade, Montana. It was it's a it's a cool 50, 60, 56 degrees or something like that out here. Where where are you at? Where are you sitting today over there? Oh, I think we got to forty four today and most of the snow is melting. So it's a bit of a bit of a heat wave. But we did uh, before Christmas have a minus thirty or minus thirty two day. Wow. Um, and there's <laughs> that's wow. really cold. Yeah, if it, listen, if you get too cold, man, you know where I'm at. I'm down here in Las Vegas. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And if anybody's got any questions, you guys, like I said, uh, these guys will reach right back out to you. Uh, they're committed to high quality aftermarket parts for the VW industry because this is parts built by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. So, Jason, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about that, man. Thanks for having me. You got it, brother. All right, so that's how we get down to it here at Let's Talk Dubs, man. We get one of our sponsors, we get some feedback, some hustle and tussle. We get them on the podcast, and we kind of find out what's going on and get to the bottom of everything. So I appreciate those guys at Ross Wolf, man. Like I tell you, I like to deal with people with integrity, and they got integrity, man. So um, things are going to happen in this industry. They're all, they always are. It depends on how you react to them. It makes all the difference in the world. So shout out to those guys. So on today's show, we talked about Type 4s earlier in the intro. I had a, someone question me about a Type 4, and we know that I love the Type 4 motors because of their torque, the reliability, and their uh, their stout nature for being the big block VW. Now, back in the day before a lot of people were doing the upright conversions, there was a guy who wrote a book, the Type 4 Upright Conversion, and he was out of New York, out of the Bronx, and his name is Joe Cali, and I happen to be on one of the Facebook pages and I saw Joe Callie pops on there and he says, Hey, 
uh, I wrote this book so many years ago. And so right away, I was like, I need the story behind the book, man. So I hit him up. And this book was written for back in those days when you wanted to upright a Type 4 motor. There really wasn't a bunch of stuff. You could spend tons and tons of money doing like the upright shrouds like Fat Performance had and things to that degree. But some of these guys that are limited and on a budget and just want to take a turnkey stock Type 4, make it run good and put it in a, in a bug. They're looking for an upright fan trail. Well, Joe literally wrote the book. He wrote the book on how to do your own Type 4 upright conversion. Step-by-step step, takes you through the whole shebang on this whole deal. So uh, it, it's a good podcast. He's got some great history. He's as authentic as it gets. He's uh, he's one of the homies from New York, East Coast representation on this week's podcast. So on this week's podcast, we're getting into it with Joe Callie, the author of the Type 4 Upright Conversion Manual on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. So on today's show, uh, you guys know that I'm constantly on the internet scouring here and there and all the crevices of every place looking for more content to bring you. And there's definitely no shortage, but I always love to bring some of this history from the East Coast that's out there. And years ago, there was an Impy headquarters in the East Coast, and there was a little blurb on that on the uh, Impy page on Facebook. And there was a name that popped up that I was familiar with, and that name was Joe Callie. And Joe Callie, you may recognize that name because he's the author of the Type 4 Upright Conversion Manual. Um, and he's with uh, Next Generation USA. And I wanted to welcome on the on the show today. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It, it, it's, I'm really honored. I really am. I, I love talking Volkswagens. And, and what you're doing right now we're going to talk about what i did in a primitive way yeah. <laughs> to get the word out no, so no. I, think gonna, I think you're gonna love it you know absolutely well the way that we always start the podcast and, and i know yes to give our listeners a little bit of history you're, you're the author of the type 4 upright conversion so you're one of the guys back in the day and we're gonna get into the details of that story that you came up yep. with a way to convert a type 4 pancake to an upright kind of putting different pieces of tin together and some fabrication mm -hmm. and whatnot and, exactly, but you've got a you've got a history that starts quite a while ago in the VW world, and so the way we always start the podcast is, how did you get into Volkswagens, and what's your VW story? Okay, I got a good story, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, my story is I love cars, mm -hmm. and uh, I I lived in the Bronx. Tough. I mean, that, that's another thing about MP number one. We're talking the the Bronx, and and I say it with a D A Bronx because that's the way we talked. Right. <laughs> and that's, right. And 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 then I'm going off subject here a little bit. But I'm going to give everybody some information. You know, you got Manhattan, you got Queens, you got nothing's the Queens, the Manhattan, you know, the Staten Island, but there is the Bronx, and it and what it was was uh, people owned. They were from Holland, and they owned this area, the whole area of the Bronx, and the names were the Bronx. So people would say. Where are you going? You know, in those in the early 1600s, or whatever, 
and and they said we're going to, we're going to the Bronx. Well, the Bronx, uh, being a, a a place where everything started, uh, and you know, and then moved up to upstate New York and throughout the United States actually, uh, was a tough area. Yeah. And for MD to be in that area, especially uh, Boston Post Road <laughs> in the Bronx, uh, was pretty was pretty cool compared to you know California. And I, I was bringing that up. But anyway, you're asking me how I got started. Yep, I yeah. lived in the Bronx, and I had uh, my father bought me a 1950. Well, I love to drive. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I love to drive. But everybody in the Bronx, the gangs of kids, that's the way we were gangs, uh, and nice gangs. Some of them weren't killers or anything like that. Um, the gangs of kids, they were older than me, and they, they had cars, and I didn't have a car. And um, I was in high school, and I, and I said, you know what? I saw an article in the, in the, in the newspaper, and it says uh, for I don't know, like 150 bucks, we'll give you a license at 17. <clears throat> and it was a school in Manhattan that – all the a lot of the actors and actresses they their children, like Robert De Niro, <laughs> he went there because he was a bad guy in real life. He was a really bad kid. They sent him to that school. So I would leave. I would leave. Um, I would I would leave the high school. I had to dress up, get on a train, and drive to Manhattan, and go to the road school, and that's where I learned how to drive. And, oh, oh, go! My father had an accident. He he couldn't teach me how to drive because one of his legs was severely injured. So I, I went to I went to driving school. Right, and this is a good part. Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> when when I was driving the car, the the, I, the four kids go in the car. Where do where they're in Manhattan? I didn't. I never knew even knew how to put a key in a car because I didn't have anyone to teach me. The guy says he had he drove from the passenger side. He had, he didn't drive. He had a, a break there and he said, okay, you're going to drive now Times square. Oh, wow. That's where I started driving. My first time I ever stepped on a pedal of a car, Times square. Think about that one. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, winds up. My father buys me a 1956 Buick with like only 50 bucks. And he said to me, Joe, uh, I bought you the car. I'm going to pay for your insurance but you're going to have to do all the mechanical work or get money from somewhere to do it because cars are expensive and, and, and I want you to learn, you know, mm-hmm. that's what he did. What the 56 group year later, year or two years later, I, I saw an MGA and, um, at the British racing car. I had to have it. I bought it 500 bucks. Now they're worth about, you know, 40,000, <laughs> like 500 bucks. And, um, they don't have, they don't have uh, door handles. You pull a wire to open it. They didn't really have windows. They had side curtains. You just had slid these things. In the summer, you took them out and put them in the trunk. Uh, they had a crank if you needed it, and you probably did because they had two Solex carburetors, and uh, and that didn't work. They, Lucas stuff was terrible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I had to get parts for it. So where did I go? I went to competition car parts in the Bronx and competition car parts was the East coast MP headquarters. So I knew, I knew the guy in there, Rich, uh, Rich, uh, Garino. He's he's still, he's still around. And, and Rich, I said to Rich, what's, what, what's this MP thing? You know, 
So he says, and, and these bugs around here. And, and to me and everybody at that time, bugs were throwaway cars. You know, I was in a sports car. A bug was a throwaway car. Somebody gets in this car. They only bought it because it was cheap on fuel. Uh, and, but the best part about it is all the cars in those years were rear engine, rear wheel drive. They didn't start in the snow. We're talking East Coast. So this is good good information from about the East coast. Yeah. You get in your car on the East coast and you go sit down and it, and it's, uh, the seats are plastic. It's, the seat don't go down. You know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. open your windows. I mean, horrible. So anyway, but you, it all bugs always did. And they used, they were always getting beat up. They, their fenders were always mashed. Uh, but they, everybody kept on driving them. They were all over the place. So I, I bought it I, um, with my wedding money. Uh, I said to Rich, what should I do? And he said to me, get a bug. You're going to get married soon, a couple of years or so. It's a reliable car. You need something for work. You're going to have a kid. It's a, you know, a four-passenger. I buy it. And and I said, but I don't know anything about, you know, horizontal leopold engines. So he says, he explained it, like, like you know, boxes, fists, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he explained it. Volkswagen made the Beetle specifically it, 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 it held it back from what it could really do with those small um, intake manifolds and stuff like that. They held it back. So it would be reliable, strong and, and last a long time, which they did, you know? Yeah. And it just, it would be banged up. So anyway, so I wound up buying the bug, loving it and going back to rich. And he, and he taught me, he was my teacher and he said, Joe, uh, I said, what can I do to make this thing faster? And he, and he said, Joe, um, what do you call it? You, you can get yourself an extractor exhaust system. I go, what the hell is that? And he explained an extractor exhaust system. And you could also get, um, you could also get a, a, a carburetor, you know, and, and a, a double nine car, a double nine distributor. Right. I said, all right, I'll get all those things. And, um, but I, as I was mentioning, um, to you, Bill, the one thing that really impressed me about Impy at that time, and I never seen this with any other car manufacturer, um, not that I knew much about him at that time, um, was that one, that extractor was gorgeous, and I think it was stainless steel. It had a a copper or brass emblem of the word Impy on it. But the thing that really got me was it came with a, uh, a, a, a oversized main jet. You told Rich what kind of what engine you know what carburetor you had. It came with an oversized main jet. And the reason for that was, which is perfectly logical, you put an extractor on the car, it's going to lean out lean out the mixture. Sure. So by getting a larger main jet, you're richening the mixture, and you're getting more power. And it was a joy. It was a joy to drive with it. I think it was a, it was a sixteen hundred. And what year? Uh, what year was the bug that you bought? Oh, I was a, um, like, I'm, and, you know, I, I almost forgot that because I got married in 69. So it probably was a 68. It was a 68. It was a 68, yeah. Blue 68. Oh, and uh, to, it, it, getting to that, I parked in uh, the Bronx and when we were married, and my wife and I. And uh, to be honest, in those days, you know, your kids and your, you know, your, <laughs> they were hippies and you never, uh, in, we're talking about parking a car could take you hours to find a parking space. I would, I would forget. I wake up the next morning. I was probably stoned from some grass or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And um, go out there, you know, and hunt down the car and put a diamond phone and say, "Honey, 
when did we park the car last night? Well, one day I called her up. I said, where did we park the car? And she told me they need a laundromat. And I called the police and, and they said, no, we didn't tow it away or anything like that. We found a car three days later, cut up in pieces in near Co-op City, an area in the Bronx. And the cops said, oh, this is, this is normal. They make goon buggies out of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And the reason we knew it was ours, it was only the quarter of the car. There was no front, no rear, just the front of the car with the glove compartment, you know, and the instrumentation and all that. She looked inside the glove compartment, and when there was a little letter in there that she wrote, and that's how we knew it was our car. Going on from that, uh, on weekend, I oh, my background is mechanical uh, engineering, mm-hmm. mechanical architectural engineering, um, and I and I actually won the uh, mechanical illustrator award two years in a row for some things that I don't even remember what I made, <laughs> but but I, but I, I was really into that. And I learned drafting in school, um, so I was working as a draftsman in the elevator industry at that time, and then they work. I worked my way up into an engineer. Right. And on weekends, I would, my father, my, my brother would make station cars. And I don't know if you guys know station cars, but I'll tell you, Mm-mm. it really gets cold in the Bronx or in New York or anywhere actually, but you needed, you needed to get to the station to get your bus or your train. Okay. Right. Nobody gave a damn what the hell the car looked like. All they wanted to do was start and bugs always started. And the other thing was they were rear wheel drive and they went through anything. Seriously. I mean, you have to, you could say all you want, you're in California, those kind of stuff, wherever you are. You don't know what it is to go through a snowstorm in a Volkswagen Beetle and go through, thing goes through anything. It's amazing. And to make, what I did was I put a hundred pounds of elevator weight. Uh, the elevators have uh, these, uh, big weights on them. I took a hundred pounds and I put it behind the rear seat with the luggage area. And that really, I can go through anything with that. Oh, really? So we made these station cars Yeah. and people would buy them. They, they, or, or we'd fix theirs, you know? And so that's how I, how I even learned even more about Volkswagen. Uh, now I'm, I'm working in Manhattan and um, I got friendly with the guys in this place, uh, Manhattan Audi Porsche. Mm-hmm. And I, I, they, they gave me a location, which is even more deadly. I should have brought a machine gun with me in the South Bronx, Fort Apache. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, they said, Joe, you gotta go there. I go, why? There's an MGA, an, not an MGA, excuse me, a 914 there. Perfect condition in this garage for 10 years. And the guy wants to get rid of it. And so I went in there and I offered the guy $1,500 and he said, um, Nope, sorry. So all right, I left. But a week later, he calls me. He he sells me the car. Um, and he, you know, they drove it from where he, the South Bronx, all the way up to where I was living now, and where I live now in Rockland County, New York, which is thirty-five miles north of New York City on the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. And um, the good news is, I really learned about Type Fours at that time. Type Four engine, they were amazing. I mean, that car was a little heavier than a bug but it could do 127 miles an hour. I mean, it was, I, I missed that car so much. I, uh, I hate to say the story really, I was cried after this one. It took me two years to restore it. And um, I went to get my daughter at college and on the way up there, there was this mountain and the guy had a junkyard and he was towing cars from the junkyard to another area, dropping oil in the rain on this mountain. 
I come around a turn, take out 90 feet of guard because mid-engine cars are horrible. You know, if you lose, you know, forget about it. Yeah. And uh, the car was destroyed. But I, I said to my wife, I'm never going to, I, I've, I've ended this thing with car. I, I can't, I, 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 yeah, I felt so terrible for that accident. Anyway, she got me a, um, <laughs> she found a blue automatic bug. And I, I think it was like a 68 also, blue automatic bug. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made it a stick. I took the, it took the automatic out and I made it a stick. It's the same car that I drive today. Okay. It was 1600, you know, all that kind of, the same bug that I drive today. And that color is blue and it's red. My car still is red. Um, getting back to Manhattan, Natty Porsche, they call me up and they say, Hey Joe, this is uh they say, well, I got something for you. We're moving. So I go, what do you mean you're moving? Well, we're moving from Manhattan to Queens and come over here. I got an engine for you. I said, forget about it, man. I, I went through this. Uh, I, I, I my, it broke my heart when I went through. So he said, no, you, you got to come over here. So I go, all right. So I walk about a couple of city blocks. I go over there, takes me in the back, and there's this shelf. It's about, you know, maybe 50 feet long. And what's on it? 914 engines. And I go, what's this? He goes, they're training engines. They've never had oil in them. They were never started up there for the mechanics to learn about 914s. Really? So I go, yeah. So I go, listen, I, my wife will kill me. And, um, you know, I, I can't, I'm not, you know, these things are expensive. Push, man. Right. So he goes to the site. So to go, he goes to Joe, what's 250 bucks? I go, I'll be back in a little while with a dolly. So, so I come back with, you know, this wooden dolly, you know, and I, I put it on the dolly and he goes, which one you want? The 1700, the 1800 or the 2000. Right. Yeah. So I give it a 2000. So I, so I take it and take it to where I work. I, I put it on a forklift and I shouldn't have got rid of all this. I got rid of all the sheet metal on it. You know, I just, for some reason, I didn't want to be, I, I didn't add this thing against fuel injection. I think because, you know, maybe I had fuel injected cars prior and I had some problems. I like the, I like carburetors because I can deal with them. You know what I mean? Right. So anyway, I, um, I, I take all the stuff off it and uh, I don't know what I did with it. And a friend of mine helped me with the engine and it was damn heavy, you know, it was long block. And Beautiful. Are, this I'm is a, nine, a 914 two liter with the two liter heads. Yeah. It was a two liter, nine foot, nine, nine foot, uh, nine fourteen engine. You're not not like a four eleven or a four twelve or something right. from a bus. Right. This is the nine fourteen. This is the one. This is the one that had um, at least one hundred and ten horsepower, I believe, one hundred and ten or maybe even one hundred and twenty horsepower. Uh, you know, the buses. The buses. The problem with the buses. A lot of problems with the buses. The big problem with the buses was the way too much. <laughs> yeah. That's the big problem with the bus. I, I keep, anyway, getting back to the story because I'm going to that one in a few seconds. Um, winds up, I take it home. My, I, I take it out of the bug I'm, and I, I take it out of the car we're driving, which was a diesel rabbit at that point. And I drop, I put it on the floor and I put it next to a long block bug. I'm mean, a long block, uh, t- a type four, type one engine. And I go, Holy crap. This engine, this engine is almost the same size. Actually it's shorter. Actually. And it's not as wide as, as the type one. Right. It has, 
it has the same bolt pattern. It has a spin-on oil filter. The case is aluminum. It's not sta- it's not magnesium crap. You know what I mean? I said this is this is a monster. This is, this is incredible. I said if I could only figure out how to take a Bugs fan housing and put it on this engine, I, I, it'll be fantastic. I'll be you know nobody even know. But I, I said it, it, it'll it'll just be fantastic. But I had a lot of you know I had a lot of uh, thought about man how is thing gonna cool? How's the hell a Type One fan housing gonna cool a, a two liter car? Right. A two liter engine. I mean, I was thinking about this. I don't know. This is an experiment, you know. I, I I don't know. Anyway, I started. I'll I'll get to that in a minute. Um, the guys who I know who helped me, but anyway, I build the engine up. I get the whole thing, and I find out the best the best fan housing to get from actually. Mike Sharp from Sharp Built in Australia, mm-hmm. and how we communicated is the interesting part. But anyway, I uh, he told he said Joe, you could either take uh, a regular uh, fan housing and slice the sides off it to make it fit, you know, because you it it is it's a certain way you have to have the right size to fit into a bug with that with that engine in there, or you could use a um, an early, I think it's a th- oh, 36 horsepower fan housing, but it's not really the original 36 horsepower because it has a doghouse on it. Right. So I said, that's what I'll buy. I'll buy a, uh, I forgot who's, who's, who made it. It was chrome, stuck it on there, fit perfectly. And then I had to make all the sheet metal to go around it. And um, then the only, the only real issue was, and it's in my book and teaches people how to do it. And you can buy the part right now uh, is the fitting, the generator. You see the heart of the whole, the heart of the heart of the whole conversion was a ge- your generator or alternator stand holds the fan housing. Right. So on the 914 where you pour in your oil, there's like this little chimney there. You rip, you, you take that chimney off and you have this nice flat area, and um, and you modify a bug's um, generator stand, which I did, but you didn't have, but you don't have to do it, you know. They just sell they sell that part, but you could you can make it. So, and some guys made them out of other things, but that's this the whole heart of this conversion because you sit that thing on there and just just two bolts that originally held that chimney thing in place. And you just put the two bolts through there, attach it to the generator stand, and make sure the generator. The book tells you how, what the height of the generator is supposed to be, it's because the fan housing has to sit exactly between the cylinders. You know, so it, it, it's the fan housing and the uh, gen with the generator on in the stand is where your fan housing is going to sit. So yeah, that's that's something that you have to get your act together and get it right. But it's not a big deal. It's all over, it's all over YouTube. Now, what year did and, you what year did you do this? Okay, that's, I'm getting to that. I built that engine in nineteen uh, nineteen eighty no nineteen ninety was it no nineteen eighty nine. So in nineteen eighty nine, eighty nine, you got the motor together and you did the conversion and put it in the back of your bug. I, I and the conv- right, you put it in the back in eighty nine, right? Okay. 
same engine still in the car now. And and never. And and if you go to if you go to um jumping ahead here, I have I wrote I wrote a, I wrote about uh, my my latest uh, creation is the um beetle magnetic deflector shield. So you're punching Joe Cowley, beetle beetle magnetic deflector shield, and you're going there and you'll see me driving up in that car last New Year's Eve, which makes this all ironic because this is happening right but this this is happening, me talking to you mm-hmm. right around New Year's Eve time and, and I learned about me and you going to talk on New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> a year later from that. But anyway, um I talk about I, and when I open it up, it has the whole thing about uh, the the shields are about working on your grills, not about the engine. But I brought up the engine that that engine was the engine I put in in '89. It's the same engine, and it was never worked on. I mean, maintained. It has it has to have three hundred thousand miles on it, and there's no exaggeration. It's never, I mean, had the, never had the heads off of it. Never. Bug, bugs, and then that, that was a big. I'll get to that too. The war between the T ones and the and the Type fours. Bugs lucky to get eighty thousand uh, eighty thousand miles without needing the valve job. Not when I had the nine fourteen that belonged to the clubs. They said, "Oh, we we're at one hundred and sixty already, and we we have another valve job." Yeah. Now a bug is less than that, and I was driving to work every day with my bug with, with my wine, and it was uh, it was seventy miles round trip for twenty seven years. That was. Well, from 89, <laughs> you know, so it gives you an idea of the longevity of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, now I said, I, I, I'm pulling out of my garage where we have to build the engine. And I'm, and I said, we, I live in a very hill, uh, hilly mountainous area with lakes. Beautiful over here in Rockland County. And uh, when you, when you see that video, you'll see the lakes. But anyway, winds up um i come to a mat like this hill and I step on it i go oh my god the torque on this thing this is not like a real bug right. and and then i then i stepped on it and after after about <clears throat> let me by the way let me see how i'm doing here okay i've still got 92 92 on this phone <laughs> i i i stepped on it the thing well there's a story between behind me stepping on it I knew the police in the area. It was late at night. I was on a New York State throughway, and the cops were looking at it. And the cops said to me, "You know, I, I, I grew up with this car." So, so he goes, like, "He goes, what are you doing here?" I, want, I said, "I want to test it out." He goes, "I'll be behind you." It was dark, and it was about one in the morning. The New York State nobody was on the New York State throughway. I stepped on it. it, went up to a hundred miles an hour. I freaked out. I mean, I dropped front end, all this kind of stuff. The steering was going. I couldn't steer the car. You know, I mean, we've got light. Right. So totally, I will never go over 80. But from, from 50 to 100 was in seconds. It was like the cop couldn't believe it. You know, it was crazy. And I got another police story to tell you later about that. So anyway, getting back to that, I go home and I said to myself, oh, my God, here I am. I'm a guy who went through all these years with all these guys with bugs and stuff like that. And everybody, I meet myself kicking my ass, breaking my ass, trying to make uh, an engine have power and reliability. And and everybody tells me how the biggest you should go is 1700 if you want that. And here I am with an engine that's, that's already two liter. I mean, what would it take to take a type one to make it two liter to do what that thing did? 
Yeah. I mean, the cost of it alone, and and forget about it lasting. The bigger it, the bigger a type one gets, the the less and you know the less longevity it's going to have. So, so anyway. So on the on I, the, I said I got to tell. Uh, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, as I say, so on the original conversion that you did, how long did it take you to do the original conversion from the time you started to get the engine in the car? Was it were you a couple of weeks working on that thing or a couple of days or what? Um, well, you know, I wasn't like in a rush. That was sure, for sure. Well, <laughs> all right. Takes me to another, take me to another part of the story. But, um, anyway, it was, it, it was winter and, uh, the car was in 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 uh, in the garage during the winter, so I basically took my time. I wanted to really do a beautiful job, right? And if now, you, uh, I'll say one thing: if you go on if you, if, I, if you go on the internet and you punch in Joe Cali Gia, like you know a Gia, right? Right. There's a guy who who made this video about me. It starts off with my name and everything, but it shows you he did a lot better. He did a lot better. He shows you the whole conversion to rock to, to the music of um, Pipeline by The Ventures. <laughs> yeah. And it's, when you, when you see that and you hear that, and you, you'll see, it, he's, he was more skilled than I w- was at the time. And he, when he read my book, so he was able to, you know, build it faster. I wouldn't say it wouldn't take me, it wasn't, wouldn't, didn't take me long. If that, my, what I tell people at that time was, if you bought my manual, and you have a Type Four laying around, which were all over the uh, all over the place. You know, buses. Yeah. The buses were all over the place. They were all blown up all over the place. You know what I mean? If you get your, got a Type Four engine <clears throat> from a bus or whatever, four eleven, four twelve, even uh, I think it was nine nine eleven E's also had Type Four engines in them too. <clears throat> if you had any of those. And you had junk laying around, Volkswagen junk, and you were handy, and you build, and you could build yourself a little generator stand, you know what I mean, or buy it, or uh, if one of the guys, guys that sold the kits, uh, you could do it in no time. You could do it like in a couple of weeks, or you know, a couple of days if you, if you, you know, if you had the manual and you knew how to do it. Yeah, and and, um, and now yeah. the so the the parts that you had to fabricate was the the alternator generator stand, which you, in your case, you used the factory original and you just kind of cut it, had it welded and kind of, and made a, a base for it to mount on the, exactly on the oil intake. Now, as far as lower pulley, where did, what did you do for lower pulley? Oh, lower pulley. Uh, well, the lower pulley, um, I, my manual shows you how to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But <laughs> I was working with, um, what's his name? Uh, like I said, Mike Sharp and Jake and Joe Cicero, which I'll get to again. Um, I, um, Mike needed parts, needed Porsche parts from here in the United States. He was sending them to my house. Some guy, would, some guy would come to my house with the parts and then I would send it to him. And as a gift, he sent me, um, a pulley, the lower pulley. But if you notice the first, I have, I have a picture that I sent out and I showed the engine the pulley was a uh, Type One pulley, right? That's that I, what I, that's modif- what I was noticing the black and white picture you have. Exactly, but he gave me one made specifically for it. Right. And and another thing is the uh, alternator pulley, right? That was an interesting one, and 
and I, I tell you, I, you hit away. I took a very honest guy and, 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 and I, I wanted people to learn how to do the right thing. And I did my best to write that manual, but people corrected me and I put my correct, their corrections in my manual. For instance, the upper pulley, the upper pulley, I took a regular pulley and stuck it on there, but it, it just didn't have the room. You know, it just wasn't lining up perfectly. Like I said, if, if, if this, if the generator scene is not in the right position, the end, you know, it's just not going to work out properly. Fan housing right. is not going to be right. So I made like this adapter. I had, I had to lay it at the time and it's adapter and I showed the use adapter and a guy emailed me and he was very, this guy was like really sweet. He says, Joe, you know, I love your manual thing, but all you have to do, and if, and if you think about this, the pulleys, a lot of the pulleys that sent the piece that is kind of like it's round, but it's not round, it has some flat sides on it that you push on onto the uh, generator. Right. That um, is welded on some of the upper pulleys, mm -hmm. but on some of them it's not welded. There, it comes apart. It, 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 it's right. a tree piece thing. Press okay. in, yeah. You want the one that's the tree piece thing, okay? And the guy said to me, Joe, you didn't have to make that whole big modification. All you had to do is take take that piece and turn it around. And I did that, and it gave me the extra, like, half an inch I needed. So it moved, it, it, it it moved the belt forward. Exactly. Right, so that it would line up the lower pulley. And now, exactly. original, your original prototype that you did, how did you fab that? So did you actually weld up the lower pulley to make to make it slide onto the snout the same, or did you – did you change something or did you drill it so that you could put the three bolts through it? No, the lower pulley, the lower pulley, uh, actually, I'm trying to remember, actually. I forgot what I did with that, to be honest with you. Um, I got it on there. I, I, I don't remember. I, I think I, I think I did have a piece welded on there, but, um, no, I don't think I had a piece. I might, I might've cut, I might've used a laid on it or something like that, but I don't know. It worked. It worked for a while. You know, till till I got the other. Um, I wish I had my manual near me. <laughs> I've been writing myself for a long time. Oh, one other thing, mm -hmm. and this is really important. Um, I wanted to make that. Um, I wanted to make this engine really last, and and because I'm I'm being honest again, I didn't know. Like, with, if it was going to cool good or why, I had no clue what was going to happen with this thing, you know, with that little fan, well, you know, small fan housing and a two liter engine. Right. Is this fan housing going to cool it? You know, little things like that. I I had no idea. And um, I would let me let me figure this out, how, how this was working out here. I had to get. Um, well, let's see. Oh, I went out and I bought, I went out and I bought a, uh, oil cooler, mm -hmm. tons of hose, you know, the, the, uh, uh, chrome plated hoses and all that. I'll get like $500 on stuff. And I put it, um, and I was going to put this on the engine and, 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 and a, what's called a sandwich adapter, which, which you unscrew the the uh, you know the original uh, oil uh, oil filter and this adapter goes on there and and when when the engine gets to over uh, 170 degrees then the oil goes into the cooler. Well, 
I found out that driving the car, I didn't need any adapter or anything like that because it, it couldn't reach it couldn't reach running temperature. Just the opposite of what I was thinking. I was like, how could this little fan housing keep this engine cool? I started talking to Jake Rab- Rabby and uh, Joe LeCicero mm-hmm. of Oregon Performance. They said to me, Joe, the engine is hardly pushing, hardly working, number one. Right. Number two, the um, the heads on the 914, uh, the Type 4 heads, are one-third larger. If they dissipate heat, more heat than the Type 1. Yeah. So you got a more powerful engine, not working hard at all, and I couldn't get over 170 degrees. And then, I, then, but as I as I mentioned, I always wanted to make sure I did. I follow. Look, Volkswagen had mechanics that worked for hundreds of years on that one item, the bug. And one thing they didn't change: they never took off the um, the thermostat. They never removed it. They didn't do anything. Always with the thermostat on those cars. Yeah. My conversion is the only one that I showed people how to take a Type 1 thermostat and mount it on the Type 4 engine. And it helped. But it still wasn't cooling enough. I found out that um, – well, how I found this out, the car was running like crap in the winter. It was getting cold. And um, I would go to the post office, which is another story, uh, and once a week and go to my P.O. box – but, and it would run like crap till I got to the post. But when I got out of the post office and started the engine, it ran great. It's like, well, what the hell? What happened was when you shut the engine off, the fan wasn't running, but it was still hot. Mm-hmm. And the engine evenly heated. So I knew, wait a minute, maybe the thermostat kicks in too fast. I had an 80C thermostat. I put in a 90C, mm-hmm. bye-bye problem. And that's obviously in the wintertime in New York where it's real cold versus... You know, I think, exactly. I think if you're out here in the out here in the West Coast, it doesn't get it doesn't get that cold. So it, it, exactly. Now, so then it, you put this manual out, and about how many? Because there's a story behind the manual where it was printed and things to that extent. So you put the manual out in in what year? In the early 1990. You, you know, you're great because you, you 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 me and you work together on this thing. You don't even know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Some of the guys might have seen the picture of, 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 I think it was Hot VW of Volkswagen Trans. I showed the manual for sale, a tiny little one-inch thing, and a uh, little, little article. And it, I don't, it just says Type 4 Upright Conversion Manual, and then I'll show the manual and stuff like that. You have to, okay, this is in 93. You have to think about this. There was no internet. How my wife said to me, okay, Joe, oh, okay, wait a second. Oh, let's get to me making the manual. I said to myself, Joe, you're a mechanical, um, uh, electrical engineer. Uh, you, and I just, everything was done by hand. All my drawings were done by hand mm-hmm. because that's what I was taught. But computer-aided design came out. So I went to college, not college graduate. I just went to college. <laughs> I went to college. And I um, learned CAD, computer-aided design. I said, now I can make a manual and show the world what they've been missing. And my wife said, okay, after I finished the manual, it took, took me a year. 
she said, Joe, have you sold anything? I said, I said, how could I sell anything? I made the manual, but nobody knows about it. Right. You know, how am I, so I came up with this idea and it worked. You got to be patient. I tell you, you really get patient. Sure. <laughs> That's what I'm doing with my, with my shields. But anyway, I went, I bought magazines in Times Square that were Volkswagen magazines because they do the store. They had sold magazines for all over the world. I bought the Volkswagen magazines, uh, weren't even in English, and in, in English. And I bought uh, Hot VW and Volkswagen Trans, Flat Four from Australia, and you name it. All these magazines. Why? Because I wanted uh, the clubs. Because if you had VW and VW Trans, they used to have a whole section, several pages yeah, club of the clubs. Things. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. I cut the club out. Any club that had an address on it, I cut it out. Could be 100. I glued them onto an envelope and I sent out flyers all over the world. And, um, I would go to the, and the only, and the only way I knew that somebody got it was I'd go to my PO box and find a check, <laughs> you know, yeah. send it to Australia, send it to here, send it to, you know, and, um, that's, that's how, that's how it got started. But then years later, the internet started and I, and I had my own website. I don't have a website now for all kinds of crazy reasons, but, um, yeah, that so for years I was doing it that way, you know, with sending just emails. Now there's, there's no internet, and there's not even email. What am I saying? You know, there's yeah. a couple different editions of it as you've gone back and edited it and changed, made some modifications and whatnot. Now, how many yeah. printings would you do at a time? A hundred. So you'd print a hundred well, off at a time, and then you'd get feedback from from people that used it and modified the kit and gave you some advice and then you'd update it and make a revision or exactly so so how many different revisions do you think on your latest how many revisions are there in the early ones well now it's been now it's been a couple now it's been a couple of years Mm -hmm. since you really I, i mean all you had out there originally were the guys in europe um with the porsche shrouds fan shrouds and then you had um Sharp bill. Fat performance. Well, you had fat performance. Right. Fat with, performance at the tall right. upright. Yep. Yep. And uh, Joe LeCicero with the most incredible one, the, the uh, down the middle. Yeah. As you know. And um, you remind me of the story with Joe later on. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that, that's all That's all you had, you know, and, and mine. And now, and, uh, and yeah. so yours obviously you know i got i got into the type four around uh, mm-hmm. early 2000 when i was working on building my bus and right. i ended up deciding to do um a type four once i started doing the pros and cons of the type fours which we've done on the podcast before type one versus type four and things to that extent and there's no right. need to sell me on it because my crew cab bus has a 2.6 liter in it and then my uh my other bus my bull run bus has a 2.3 liter type four and I just picked up a twenty five hundred from a guy out here, but um, wow, I've uh, I, I've, I'm a big believer in the Type Four, but what I was really interested is you know getting the history and and dialing all this down as far as the upright conversion because that's one of the first ones that came out. Now, talk to me about the first time that Joe, uh, I'm sorry that that you connect with. Um, it, now, what's his name? Uh, is it Joe Cicero? Joe Cicero Rabin. and Jake Raby. 
Now the two of those guys are working with respect to the down the middle, and then how do you come into that whole thing? How I came into it was I saw Joe Cicero's advertisement in in one of the magazines, it, uh, the down the middle, and I called him up, and it was perfectly honest with him. I thought he like get away from me, you know. Uh, I got my thing, you got yours. You know what I mean? Right. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. And what's funny is I'm of, uh, I'm Sicilian. I'm of Sicilian descent. And, um, and Joe was also, not that not anything, but he called me the guys later on when we, when, when we did have the internet, they called him Joe of the West and me of Joe of the East. You know what I mean? Right. But we, um, we got along really well. And he told me every, he gave me a lot of information. I mean, it was, you just a, a sweet man, you know what I mean? He, a lot of information. I told him I did this and he told me, well, that's not a good idea to have that in the book. You should do this. And everything he told me was honest and great help. I told I, I he, like, he's one of the guys, I mean, uh, that really helped me. Now I want to, by the way, not you said that I want to mention a couple of names. Uh, Dave Cormack, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, Rich, uh, Dean Kirsten, they helped me with the magazines and stuff like that. Of course, uh, Joe of Oregon Performance, mm-hmm. Mike Sharp, and my buddy Chris Chris Fallone, who you know, you know, well, Chris is a friend of mine, so we just talk a lot. But he's a type one guy, but still, I try to throw Chris in there. And um, yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, okay, Joe Cicero um, was working with Jake Rabby, right. um, pushing pushing the type four, pushing the down the middle, right. and. So anybody who doesn't know what it down the middle is, and I'm going to tell everybody what that is. If you look, if you look at a regular bug fan housing, you look down at it uh, over over the cylinders, you'll notice that it doesn't sit oh directly in the middle of all four. Or it sits on one side, maybe, you know, it doesn't sit down the middle on either side. It because the cylinders are offset. But Joel Cicero figured that out by making his fan housing offset. Well, you had two sides to it, the fan housing, and they went right down the middle on both sides. Yeah. A very incredible design. You know, it, but me and Joe did have fights over not having a thermostat. He said, well, the factory never had it. But then in the end, he said to me, Joe, it was too much trouble to put in, <laughs> you know, basically. Right. You know, it was, a lot, it's a, it was a little bit of a trouble, you know, and people, and most of the guys in the South like it, so they don't have to worry about heat and, you know, you know that cold and all that kind of stuff. So so we got to that. I'm, um, you brought me now to the fun story I was going to tell you before. Mm-hmm. It's not a fun story, but it's a true story. I, um, I, a man came to my house with his with his son years ago and the son read about me and somewhere and uh, the man came and he goes you know um i'm a detective and and my and 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 my son wants to don't know what to do he wants to build a a, a bug engine and everything could you give me information the guy i said sure and he came into the house and we talked and I, I showed him my bug and all this kind of stuff and then he said thank you very much and he left I didn't see him for years, years. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, one day I'm coming home from work and there's a unmarked police car behind me. And he follows me into my garage, into my work. And he goes, remember me? I said, 
no. <laughs> he goes, yeah, my, you and my son and those guys. I go, oh, my God, yeah, I remember you. What's going on? He goes, I'm selling my house. He goes, I'm moving to Pennsylvania. I go, oh, that's great. He goes, I've been looking for you. And he goes, I'm a terrible detective because I couldn't find you for months. <laughs> it's like, all right. I go, well, what's this? So it's a story. So he says, you, you, what do you, I, I, I'm, I'm selling the house. And he goes, well, my son had some bugs there and I wanted to give them to you. I almost shot myself in the head and I have all these parts. So, oh my God. Okay. He goes, but I still have some parts left. So I went over there and it was, oh my God, it was boxes in his barn and, I, I took some fenders, you know, some uh, fiberglass fenders. I resold those. I took a lot of parts. But then they saw this box. And it was all full of mouse turds, and being honest with you, and don't forget about it. So I I look inside it, and I, and I see the the pulley, the, the, the lower crank pulley mm-hmm. to a Type 4 engine. I go, oh, my God. This is a down the middle. But the kid bought him down the middle. Oh, really? Yeah. So I know that Joe LeCicero passed on at that point. So I said, oh, my God, this is crazy incredible. So I went on Samba, you know, the forum, Samba. Right. And I mentioned to the guys, I said, this is – and anybody, anybody can look this up. It's called Joe Cali Amazing Story. And you look at on the search, and it's pretty cool. Um, and I tell this story on there. And who and who answers the story? Jake Rabby. Yeah. And Jake goes, you know what, Joe? I go, what? He goes, one day after Joe died, a package came to my door, and it was a Type Four conversion. He he, he said he left it for me. So the two of us guys, I don't know how how things work out. You yeah. know what I mean? But that's that's a weird, you know, true story. I, and you know what? No, I that happened years ago, and everybody said to me, oh, "I want to buy the tire. Oh, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it." My engine running still so good, my my homemade engine that that I I, I never sold it. I mean, I, I sold I sold the Type Four. Well, I mean, I sold it down the middle. I sold it. Yeah, I didn't, and, I didn't. And part of the you know part of the the circumstance with the Type Four conversions, like we talked about earlier, you know, v, people get into VWs. A lot of us guys get into it because of financial reasons, right? We can't really afford a really nice you know a, a, a real expensive car with a lot of you know high performance parts we want to get what we can with the least of what we have which was typically getting you know a to do a type four i mean a lot of people can find a type four and rebuild it on the cheap and have a two liter plus that's right like it's a 1641 you spend your money on heads and cam and uh you know get yourself a good set of cylinders and you know you end up with a pretty rock solid bottom end. Now, the issue people always said is, you know, the the fan conversions are really expensive. Well, you can do it yourself. You prove that you can do it yourself. You're one of the people right. that, that can take it and you know start with nothing and and come up with a way to get it modified. Um, but you know the, the reality is there's 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 more than one way to skin a cat. And the way that you figured out how to skin your cat is to make your own upright uh, conversion, which I think is it, it, it's pretty cool. It's something that, that I know that I've seen around forever. Um, and, uh, you know, my first motor I got was my first Type 4 was a Jake Raby 2270, and I actually have a sharp-built wow. – I, I got a sharp-built shroud 
for oh you know uh, that's great i didn't know you know mike that's great yeah for that but uh mm -hmm. yeah no it was uh i mean like i said your motor your manual all that stuff is a testament to the typical vw enthusiast right you you want to figure right. out a way to make it work and you'll come up with a way to make it work so that's uh, right i mean i'm 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 pretty pretty excited to to kind of button up that history now did you spend much time with uh, Rich Garino, uh, with uh, Impy over there in the um, in the Bronx? No, not, not really. Not really. I well, my, the MGA had a lot of problems, and mm -hmm. so I would go back and forth. Yeah, I did actually because I had another friend, uh, Elliot. His name was Elliot, and he had a black MGA, and we go back there and, and try and learn about things, you know. So, but you know, it was mostly at that point. It wasn't it wasn't. Uh, the bug stuff. It was more MGA stuff, you know, but, uh, later on, um, they, they left there. Yeah. He left, disappeared, you know, the, they left and went, went to the West coast. So I don't know what year that was. And, uh, that was the last I seen of him. And I, I spoke to him about, I tried talking to him actually a couple of days ago, but I couldn't get a hold of him. I guess it was new years, you know, and, yeah. And that was, that, that was a problem, you know? And you said, so, uh, so Rich who owned the, what was the name of the car parts place? It was foreign performance competition, competition, car parts, competition, car parts. I, I, I sent you a video, not a video. And I sent you a photo yeah. of, the, of it. And you'll see on the side of the, of the, of the inch pincher, it, it says competition car parts. Right. So it says more marinara. So sorry about that. So <laughs> more, 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 yeah, marinara. more marinara. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's yeah. good stuff. It's you know the fact that you still have your your original Volkswagen with the with the two liter Type Four in it and all that stuff, and that thing's still on the road kicking with the, without any issues. You know, it's just a I know to me, it's a, a it's a testament to the VW reliability as well as the you know the Type Four bulletproofness. You know, most of my Type Fours have been in buses, um, but I do have one type for a, a 2600 that's in my split window beetle that I haven't got back yet, but that thing's, you know, I, I drove one of the motors that I have in one of my cars was a, uh, a motor that was built for the Navy seals. It was built, um, wow. by, by fat performance in the late nineties or early two thousands. And they were mm -hmm. built for their dune buggies and they were the best of the best of everything. Right. And right. they somehow ended remodel, up, yeah. they ended up here at Nellis Air Force Base with the instructions to destroy them or throw them away. And Are you kidding? there was a VW yeah. guy somewhere in the mix that ended up getting these motors and keeping them from getting destroyed. I ended up with one. But the first time I drove this motor, it was in a convertible bug. And it was ridiculous the amount of power that it had in there. And I thought, man, this motor does not need to be in this bug. This needs to be in my bus. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, it's got so much torque, you know, you just land the throttle and it'll send the back end around for you pretty quick. So I'm, 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 I'm telling and, and, you know, um, guys would say to me, oh, I want to put, you know, different transmissions in it and this kind of stuff. And I'd say, don't do it because you're not going to, you're not going to get your bug, a street bug. You're not going to want to be in that car and do what it could do. Because I went to, like I said, I blasted it to 100. And, and the 914 would do 127 easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it just gets too dangerous. I mean, I, 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 I do hang around. Once in a while when I'm on a highway, I blast up to 80. You know, mostly I like staying around, you know, most 70, 65, 70 miles an hour. You know what I mean? I, it gets too crazy. And, and you get crazy people out there. No, absolutely. And they cut you off. I mean, uh, you know? Well, oh, it, oh, the one, 
and Joe to talk about that your typical VW guy where you're always working on something. You, you're also working on something new right now, especially for those guys that park their cars outdoors. You've got oh, a, late, yeah. a late model bug and you get snow and rain right. and stuff like that. Tell me about the other thing that you designed and, and how people okay. can connect uh, to you and pick that up. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, but I got to tell you one thing before you sure. hold that, hold that for me. Okay. This is another amazing story. You mentioned to me in the very beginning of this how much you know, I, how many managers you sell and all this kind of stuff, and you know all that kind of stuff. I'm going to give you a story you can blow your mind. I, 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 you saw me, you saw me with the can with the anti-aircraft cannon mm -hmm. <laughs> on, the, on the intrepid aircraft carrier. I sent you photos of that, right? And it's because I, that's because I did modifications to the to the to that. I, I'm going to add some uh, to some terrible politics into here, but I'm not saying anything about it. I did the, um, I, I remodeled um, the Plaza Hotel for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. leave, it at, leave it at that. Um, I, I did the Grand Hyatt Hotel for uh, his wife, who I loved. I didn't say I loved him, so you can get a point where I'm going here. And um, what do you call it? I, I, I made, uh, what happened there is she, um, we put in computerized elevators there, which were basically Teslas. That that uh, a Tesla is a horizontal vehicle. Uh, a elevator is a um, no a horizontal is an elevator, uh, and um, and a Tesla is wait wait very well how that but I how you say this but anyway elevator goes up and down Tesla goes sideways but everything that was in those elevators the regenerative braking and all that were prior to Teslas and. We had TV screens that were, um, again, going from one end to the other. TV screens in the lobby. There were there were twenty elevators in the in the Grand Hyatt Hotel, uh -huh. and they they um, they showed like arcade little people. <laughs> you know, this is in 1985. They, you used to have that little arrow that said that when we're, we told you what floor you were on, one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. Well. We ripped those out. I sold one for five hundred dollars. <laughs> she gave it to me. But anyway, the um, but they couldn't get the. Um, I get a call from her, and she they uh, and she says we can't open a Grand Hyatt hotel. And I said why? Because she said I have the chief of the fire chief here, and uh, they, they can't get a, uh, a C of O because they they can't open the building because they don't know where the elevators are because you don't have the TV sets to show the little people. Oh my God! I said it's all special. So anyway, I was able to, you know, get go to go to a uh, place where they had uh, security cameras and security TVs, and this those, that TV was two was three thousand dollars. The one that we're going to get for them, two of them, because there was nothing like them there, and they were only thirty six inches. They had to be a super high resolution. And I found these little TVs that were black and white mm -hmm. security. They did the job. I made a little yoke, put them there. She came back. I said, I did it. I did it. I, I got the thing working. She comes on. She started yelling at me. She told disgusting. How this, this is the green high tell Everything here is brass, copper, stone. And the prior chief looks at her and she, she goes, yeah, but we could open building. I know what the elevator is. Uh, she gave me a hug and anyway, and that was that. But my point is, this is the stuff I did in Manhattan. But getting back to how, why I said that is because I also worked in the Twin Towers. I did a lot of work in the Twin Towers, the original Twin Towers. And I met a guy in there who was a Volkswagen guy. And he said to me, Joe, <clears throat> you, 
you need, I heard you need you want a manual. And I said, yeah. And the company, I don't want to mention the company, they're a very famous company, the Wall Street company. And he said, <clears throat> we, are, we have the biggest printing press in the United States here. I'll do them for you for three bucks a piece. Yeah. I said, are you kidding me? He goes, no, three bucks a piece. Give me your, give me your master. And he goes, but you know, this is kind of secret between you and I, because he goes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing it under the covers here. Right. Well, I'm fine. Yeah. That guy will make me a hundred. So um, every every several, I wouldn't say every week, but every couple of months, he, I call him up, and he says, meet me by the bull. You know, Wall Street has that bull in the street there. Right. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah. Because you couldn't stop. You know, you can't do it at the park or anything. I meet him at the bull. He tried a thing in the back of the car. All right, fine. All right, good. 9-11 comes along. <clears throat> he calls me up. You know, like after he survived. Now, all, all our guys survived, too. I don't even want to do horrible. I, I've seen the buildings go down. And uh, he says to me, Joe, I got to tell you something. Your master... And over a hundred manuals were in uh, a safe, and the safe went. And the safe was in the building, so you know that's lost. So I go, "What are we going to do?" He goes, "Well, if you have a good copy of a manual, I could copy it, but it's not going to look original." You know what I mean? It's, I go, "Oh my God!" I'm like really upset. A couple of weeks, or well, I think maybe a month later, he called me up. I, you're not going to believe this, Joe. The safe fell. They fell eighty stories. It wasn't damaged. It was a huge safe. I mean, they were like, you know, 10 feet tall. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't damaged. Your manual's in there. The, the, the stuff is, the, your books are in there too. I said, holy macro. So I, I shot over and I picked them up and I was, I mean, I've been selling those. I'm basically out of those at the moment. I have, I have other ones that I had in the house, but, um, that's, that, that's that true story. And <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. it. It's pretty awesome that you're able to recover the original, you know, yes. the, the original copies that you had made now. Um, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you to pick up one of these manuals to do an upright conversion for their type four. And this is really for like the guy who's on a budget, who's just trying to make it work. He's yeah. got a lot of VW parts laying around and wants to yep. do a type four conversion. How do, how do people get in touch with you to get one of these manuals? Simple as anything. My, my, I'm going to give you my email address, mm -hmm. everybody on the phone. It's neck. Well, my company is next gen, next generation USA. So it's next gen USA, not next generation, next gen USA mm -hmm. at O P T O N L I N E dot net. That's next gen USA at op net. Perfect. Yeah. So if anybody wants to get one of those shrouds or what, one of the conversion manuals that guide you through how to convert your, your, uh, yep. four and an upright motor, that's the same, same price, 29 bucks, <laughs> same price as back then. And, uh, not only the same price, but also, um, and it, it's only like, you know, 10 bucks to ship it. So not a big deal. And, I, and, and, and you, and you guys in Europe, I sell, I still sell little things in Europe. Europe, um, Europe, I sell it for about you know seventeen dollars if you ship it. You know. Yeah, and now uh, there's mm -hmm. something else you've been working on the magnetic right. grill cover. So tell me a little bit about that. Okay, here's the here's the latest. I think this I think this is really cool, and I'm going to be honest on this one also because it has a drawback. Um, as you guys know, all you guys, our cars are really freaking old, and 
you're getting electrical problems. I mean, not only are you getting rust, you're getting insects, you're getting leaves, wherever you live. And and, and I sold a lot of these to guys in in the West Coast. Um, Actually, I I, I sent some over to um, VW Trends Magazine as gifts to the guys because they they helped me with an article. And uh, one of the guys called me back and he said, Joe, um, I, I sent them for free. And, and he said, Joe, you know, my, my guy is out in, out in the, out in the, in the yard over there. They, they took it from me. I said, why? He goes, because they found it's really great for windstorms over here. We get sand and stuff like that, you know, yeah. and, um, we just plop it right on. And, 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 and the beauty of it, they're really small. I mean, you, you, okay. I'll, I'll explain what it is because a lot of the guys, I, there's no visual here. It's a, um, magnetic material that you put over the grills. For instance, the uh, 70s and later cars have the grill on the rear deck lid. And most cars have a grill under the rear window. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third grill up front that takes an air um, where your windshield is. Um, I sell, you know, I sell them, uh, the one day, the little guy up front is 18 bucks. The other two are 25 bucks a piece. Um, you email me the same email address. Um, and I'll, I'll send you the information or talk to you. Um, because I, I, I'll send you a flyer that show you, I'll email it to you guys. Actually. Uh, it shows you the different years. Like for instance, the, the little girl in the front were there forever. <laughs> um, the grill on the real uh, trunk lid, I think it's from the uh, 70s up, up, right? which is a large one. Mm-hmm. And then the one on the rear one, the rear rear uh, window, that's been there for a very long time also. Up until, you know, that's always there. I, mean, I'm, I don't know if it was always there. But then, then also you have your bus, your um, convertibles, but they only get one, you know, below the convertible, you know. Um, so, but they're great. I mean, the beauty of it is they go on in no time. You can keep it inside your glove compartment, rolled up a couple of them, unroll them, stick them right on. And the problem is uh, corrosion. I I was going nuts this year. Uh, and lucky I know electronics. I mean, but even that didn't happen because who the hell wants to go through this? My, real, my, my rear um, signal lights weren't working. Right. And... and and I'm, I'm I'm tearing the car apart trying to figure out how to do it. And I said, oh, my God, <clears throat> it, it must be the connector. It, it wasn't only the connector. It was the wiring. I mean, the insulation around the wiring looks good, but it's not. You know, it gets it's corroded inside there. You, we're talking many, many years in cars. And you got – and, okay, yeah, some of these cars have those trays that collect the water. That they get filled with leaves or whatever, and you still get the water coming in or the snow or whatever. Um, so I said, what could I, you know, how could I, how could I, I have, and, and we, in the elevator industry, we use, these are an industrial grade um, plastic, not plastic, magnetic, magnetic material mm-hmm. that rolls up. And um, I made it exactly to fit the rear grill, the front grill and all those. And like I said, the, the front grill is like, I think it's $12 for that one. The two rear are $25 a piece <clears throat> and here's the bargain for 45 bucks. You can buy them all and I give you free shipping in, in the United States. 
Well, and, you know? and if anybody wants to get those from you, it's next. It's next. Next, next gen. Uh huh. USA. Next gen USA at, at oponline.com or dot net. Dot net. Right. It, it stands for, yeah, it's a, it's a, it stands for Optimum. That's the name of the company I get. You know, yeah, no problem. So, so and we'll, I'll yeah. put a link to that in the description of the podcast. So if people want to get that from me, they can reach out to you, shoot you an email, mm-hmm. and pick up. Uh, right. Pick up the magnetic mm-hmm. kit from you. Really appreciate that. And um, I wanted to tell you the one drawback. Okay. And 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 this is this is a this is not made for a running car, guys. <laughs> yeah. You, and it's. It, this is just to be used for parking your car when it's parked or stored outside. You want uh, you want to make sure you keep leaves and debris and stuff like that from getting. I mean, I've got a '68 bug that sits out in my driveway right now, and yeah. uh, it, that's what I notice about it from all just the dust and the wind, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, for sure, I think that's definitely something that's viable that uh, would make sense to to pick it up. So right, right, right. No, de- de- definitely, and it, it and it and you know what it. Uh, it, some guys just buy the front grill and, 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 and I said, and, or, and then they say, I want, they say my car is an early, uh, early car. So I'm just going to buy the front grill and I'm going to buy the, the one for the rear window, but we don't, I don't have the one on the rear deck. So I said, well, guess what? For two bucks more, you get all three, sell it to a friend <laughs> or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's not worth it. You know, I tell them right off, you know? And, uh, and the other thing is, to be honest with you, I'm, Yes, if you leave it on the car and it's a hot day and you start driving, you forget about it. Yeah, you, you'll 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 notice it's going to raise some heat. Yeah. But but then but if, but you look back again, some this was brought to my attention. I didn't even think about this. How many cars prior <clears throat> to when those rear deck grills were in? Uh, I'm I'm talking about that's we're talking from the 70s on. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, 68 and all that, they never had any grills on the rear, on the rear decks. No. And, and the engines weren't any bigger that by by that much, right? You know what I mean? Well, but that's, I'm, I'm just saying that, that's one yeah. of the reasons with the doghouse shroud why Volkswagen ended up putting more vents in the rear deck lid to get more intake on the that's air right. side to cool down the motor. But now, nah, hey, listen, yep. Joe, I've really appreciated you coming on and kind of getting us some of this understanding on uh, next gen and the uh, and the Type Four upright conversion manual and all that stuff and. I'll definitely put all your information linked in the podcast so that people can get it directly from you. You know, that's terrific. I, I you don't know how much I appreciate it. Yeah. And, 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 and it seems like, you know, I don't know. It seems like how, how things fall together. Uh, I told you the thing that happened with Joe and, and Jake and me and all that. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and me finding out about you on basically new year's Eve of, of this year. Right. Whereas, me and my grandson made our video, you know, the, uh, uh, oh, and that's, you got, you can mention it also, Joe Cowley, Mag- you go to YouTube and you go to Joe Cowley, uh, magnetic shield and it'll pop right up, you know, okay. um, you, that was on new year's Eve and it was a very cold night. And at, and you know, I wish we wished everybody a very happy new year at the end of that one, after <laughs> 2002. Yeah. So listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, no, and this great. is great. Great getting you on here, and I appreciate your story and, and the history and uh, all that stuff. And I know that you've you've done it to help out a lot of people that uh, that mm-hmm. don't have the wherewithal to spend two grand for a cooling system. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. So if anybody's looking for that, they can reach out to you through the links in the podcast. And uh, thanks for yep. coming, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. It is totally my pleasure, and I I don't know how to thank you.
because because you just helped me and not only sell the books, but again, to get the word out because, oh, I'm ending this with Jake, I, and Joe won the type four war. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the type one, we won it. Okay, guys. Anyway, and, and, and you know, I don't have to talk about it anymore because well, somebody says something to me that they don't like about it. I said, I, 40 other guys come up on the line and they say, wait a minute. I got that engine in my car. Yeah. So listen, happy new year, healthy new year to everybody. And, yeah. and it was great talking to you guys. You too. Thanks a bunch, man. If you like this podcast, make sure that you share it with a friend, share it with all your VW enthusiasts. And matter of fact, go on to your favorite Facebook page that you are a group of and share your favorite podcast so we can get more listeners. We love getting more listeners and getting more information out there to the VW hobby. So if you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com, pick up some merch. Until next week, guys. Later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. 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 Volkswagen.